0: sometimes you, uh, sometimes you walk up to the place and the crowds, sometimes you walk up to the place and the crowds, uh, there's just a lot of people. And you think, and you think to yourself, you know, I, I wish, like for this event, I wish I were on the front row, right? And then, and then sometimes you have the chance at an event like that to actually, to actually get to the front row because you either like, you know, push your way in sometimes sometimes you spend your way to the front row or whatever it is but then there's some things and i don't know where i don't know how you are with crowds i don't know how you are with wanting to be on the front row i mean that's going to be a conversation we have but um, but then but then there's sometimes in which the super special thing happens and, uh, and, and 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 there's not a crowd i started actually writing this sermon Uh, about five or six weeks ago thinking about this sermon I wasn't writing anything I was thinking about this sermon five or six weeks ago Julie and the boys and I uh took took a trip down to way down in South Florida to see some friends that were there some uh, who lived there in Jupiter Florida and then some other friends who'd um, just gotten out of the Air Force and they were spending some of their their leave time uh down there with her her family and uh we get up halfway through the morning and. and, and Jay, along with Sam and Jack and I, we, we, we head out from the house and we end up in a marina to go, for the first time for the three of us, deep sea fishing. Deep sea fishing is the kind of event that you, 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 you pay to not have a crowd. There were like 12 of us on the boat, maybe, maybe 11 or, I don't know, it was just a few. Two, two crew members and then just a handful of folks. And we're, we're pulling out, we're pulling out and I end, up, I end up quoting a Bible passage, and it's the one I want us to turn to this morning. It comes to us uh, from the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 7. Uh, Mark chapter 7, it's, uh, it's almost halfway through Mark's Gospel. And what we know, if you've, if, you've, if you've followed along or know a little bit about the life of Jesus, what we know is that Mark's gospel, he just burst onto the scene. And, and, and pretty soon after, because he is a wonder-working miracle man, wonder-working miracle man, that the crowds all over the region, which was called the Galilee, all over the region of the Galilee, uh, were just attracted to him. I mean, and, and, and everywhere he went, he was just surrounded by a crowd. And you can read in the Gospels that there are times in which he knows that he can't be in crowds all the time, so he escapes the crowds, and he uses different techniques to escape. One night, one time he he escapes by night, one time he escapes on foot, one time he escapes by boat. I mean, it's it's like a James Bond thing that Jesus has got going on where he's like a trying to escape the crowds. Well, you get to to Mark 7, and it says he literally leaves the country to escape the crowds and this is this is what's going on and so so it says Jesus left that place which is a reminder for just this story that it's connected to the stories before Jesus left that place and went into the region of Tyre it's actually like uh like like north and over on a map if you're looking at it so it's like north and west of the region of the Galilee and it's over on the coast and it point blank says he didn't want anyone to know that he had entered a house but he couldn't hide. In fact, a woman whose young daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard about him right away. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek. Syrophoenician by birth, which is just two different ways of saying she was not Jewish. She begged Jesus to throw the demon out of her daughter. And he responds... The children have to be fed first. It isn't right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. But she answered, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Good answer, he said. Go on home. The demon has already left your daughter. When she returned to her house, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. This is the word of God for we the people of God and we say together, thanks be to God. Jesus says good answer and then grants her request. It's it's actually one of only a couple of times in the Gospels that Jesus performs a healing for a non-jewish person one of only a couple of times and this is this is one of them and yet healing aside i I went back and looked it up i think i said this a couple weeks ago i went back and looked it up i don't remember ever preaching on this text and 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 you already know why because what do you do with this jesus He refers at least to the child, but really to the woman, the mother of the child, by an insult. I I went and read three commentaries this week. I would have read six if I owned that many, just on Mark. I went looking for, for some kind of magical, scholarly excuse that I just didn't understand because I don't understand enough. I, I went looking for a reason that Jesus would have referred to this woman and her child as a dog. I didn't find it. And I stand in front of you. I do not know why Jesus used that word. I am clear from all of the Gospels that it means exactly what we think it means. That it was then and is still today A Jewish insult of a Gentile, and and I don't understand why Jesus would would use an insult. I mean, we've got a thing at the house where we're where we're trying to practice not calling people names. That sounds that sounds childish. Let me let me like like uh, like like I'm practicing this thing where I will criticize a a behavior, but I'm not going to assign the same words to the person. And Jesus seems to be doing that here, and I don't know what to do with it. Barclay, William Barclay, does offer three things that are helpful. Doesn't doesn't make it all clear, but he offers three things that are helpful. And let me give them to you real quick. The first is, it's worth noting that Jesus, in Mark's gospel, but it actually is not excused because he doesn't in Matthew's gospel. Matthew remembers him saying it differently. But Jesus in Mark's gospel, um, he changes the word from dog to little dog, like pet dog, like, 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 like Molly at our house that's like eight and a half pounds and doesn't shed. I mean, like So he actually changes the word from dog to like diminutive dog. So maybe he's trying to pull back a little bit, and I don't know. Number two, and Barclay says this, writing 60 years ago, tone matters. And so so we know the words that Jesus said, but but we also are sure that Jesus wouldn't have said it with like a snarl on his lip. I mean, Jesus would have said it with whatever compassion you can say it. And then finally, and this this note is really important, finally, Jesus didn't say no. He he said not first. First. Jesus didn't say no to the woman. He just, he just said not first. And in that last point, Jesus is upholding the scriptures and the Jewish tradition of a thousand years. And, I, and, I, um, and so I actually brought in one of the commentaries. Let me read you just two or three, two or three sentences from, um, this is called The Meaning in the Miracles by a guy named Jeffrey John. And this is what he writes. Because this is, this is really a conversation around Jews and Gentiles. Jesus, Jesus is a Jew representing a Jewish faith and a Jewish tradition, and he's, and he's speaking with, to, to, to folks on a regular basis who are steeped in this, and this is a woman who, who believes in him but does not coming from that and is not born into that. And so it's really about, about this, this Jewish election, this, this chosen first scriptural belief and this is this is what he says it's important to consider what election actually meant it never meant at least in the most thoughtful traditions of israel it never meant that god was supposed to care more about the jews than anyone else it it doesn't mean that in fact and he gives evidence in fact you go to the old testament prophet amos from the eighth century so that's 2,800 years ago. That's a long time. The, the prophet Amos is very clear that Yahweh cared just as much about the Ethiopians and the Cushites as about Israel. That's in the Bible. And then, and then outside the Bible, a commentary, a famous, actually rabbinic commentary on the book of Exodus describes that, that when Pharaoh and, 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 the, and the army of Egypt are drowned in the Red Sea, God God would have said, Silence, O Israel. The Lord is not rejoicing, for the Egyptians are also my children. So so in the Jewish faith, both inside the Bible and then a commentary outside the Bible, it's, 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 it's confirmed that it's not that God loves only the Jews and then the Gentiles. They're just, you know, whatever. But it's it's... It's that there's an order of it. And Jesus is simply saying to her, I don't understand about the use of the word dog, but he's just simply saying to her, there's an order of it. And the woman says, yes, but I want my child to be well. So, so you can't deter me with, with talk about order, you can't deter me even with your insults from what I want to happen is I want my child to be well. And she, this Greek, Syrophoenician, non-Jewish woman of all things in the Old Testament. I mean, in the New Testament time of Jesus. I mean, the woman of all things. She says, she says I want my child to be well. And I believe you can do it. He's been there for like a half a day. He's never been to this part of the world. He's been down in Galilee for a year, year and a half. Maybe two years. And all of a sudden, he's up here, and she finds out, and she... Think about this for a second. Think about this first. Her child is sick. She leaves her child to go and find Jesus. She doesn't leave her child at the emergency room, Right? She didn't leave her child under the care of doctors. She, 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 she most likely leaves her child under the care of, of a grandmother or maybe, maybe the child's siblings or worse. She leaves her child under the care of the dad. <laughs> Think about that. Think about the faith a mom has to leave her child and to go to a house. She, she doesn't have ways or Google Maps. She goes knocking from door to door to door. Is the, is, the Jewish, is the Jewish prophet, rabbi, Jesus here? And finally somebody says, well, how'd you know? And she just bursts through the door and says, give me what I want. And when he pushes back, she says that, that for me, faith says the crumbs are enough. We'd been um we been on the boat for like like two or three minutes. We we hadn't even made it past the last line of, you know, like the rocks, you know, that sort of protect the inner harbor and all that. And the boys are on some part of the boat, different part of the boat, and it's a little 40-foot boat. It's not that big. And they're up front, and Jay and I are in the back. Uh, I met Jay 20 years ago when I started as his youth minister. And, and in the first three minutes, he said it once, and then he said it a second time, and then he said it a third time. Like the same thing. He's just like, I want today to be great for the three of y'all. I want y'all to have the best experience. He says it once, and I'm like, oh, that's sweet. And then he says it a second time. I want today to be great. I want y'all to catch so much stuff. I want the boat to sink because we catch so many fish. I just want, I mean, I want y'all to be blown away. I just want it to be great. I was like, oh, that is super sweet. Then he says it a third time. He's like, I just want, I mean, like, I'm really, I'm really worried. What if it's one of those days where they don't catch anything? Like, I want it today to be great. And I stop him, and I say, hold on one second. I don't care about that. And then I said, the crumbs are enough. And Jay looked at me just like you would have looked at me. What? (laughs) We're on a boat. What do you mean? The what are you talking about? And I said, you know, and I didn't remember what Bible verse it was. I was like, you know, the story in the Bible where Jesus gets away and he's trying to like he's trying to like sunbathe on the roof and like just spend gets like a little quality time away from the crowds and he's it's a day off like and he can't can he just get one day off and and the woman comes and says to him, you know, I want my child to be healed and and then they have this exchange and 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 the crumbs are enough. And I started that day convicted that we live at a time of history that needs to hear that faith believes the crumbs are enough more than any other time in history. Because, and and I'm going to offend every single one of us in the room, there has never been a time ever where people have been more fed than we have. We are the most overfed people ever. I remember sitting, oh, seven or eight years ago with the pastoral counselor I was seeing in Columbus, Stephen Mews, big giant beard, Greek Orthodox. And he said something then about my relationship with food. And I'm sitting there, you know, at a not so trim number, going, what do you mean my relationship with food? Overfed. But, but I don't want us to get lost on, on, on this being just about, about about what's on our plate in front of us. I don't, I don't want to, this isn't about the drive through or about the supersize. We are overfed, not just at the dinner table. There are people who are miserable at the party. There are people who are frustrated at the concert. There are people who are sitting in the midst of blessings that every one of us can name, and they're discontented. We're we're overfed with abundance of everything. And there's never been a society ever in history that looks at all that we have and says, it's not enough. And so I'm on the boat saying, I don't care if any of us catch a fish. I went, back and, I went back in my phone. I did not printed any of these off because I'm just like the rest of y'all. We take pictures. We don't print them off. I went back and found a photo. It's, it's perfect. It'll, it'll, it doesn't have to ever hang on a wall. It's perfect. Because here is, here is my son and my son, and they're, and they're on the back of a boat talking to this one who has shaped my life and he's getting the chance to shape theirs. I don't care if I catch a fish. The crumbs are enough. And I'm telling you, the devil is against every word spoken today. Jesus said is as much. John. John 10.10. 10. The thief. Who is that? Who's the thief? Satan. The thief enters only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, Jesus came so that we could have life. And then what does he say about that life? Life lived to the fullest. But I can't live to the full if, if I'm waiting for it to be perfect. I can't live to the full if I'm upset that I didn't get the first invite. I can't live to the full if, if the third row is not good enough or standing room only in the back is not good enough. I can't live to the full if this is not the perfect Instagram moment. I mean, and the thing is, and I can turn this on millennials right now, and about two thirds of the room would be like, yeah, go for it, get them, you know, like, you know, them and their, like, snap phones and chats and all that kind of stuff, and they're always selfieing and taking pictures of their food, but they're not the ones that introduced that. Who who did they learn this from? They learned this from us. Because we all get it wrong. And Jesus says, good answer to the woman who believed that the crumbs are enough. I want to spend the rest of the month listening to Jesus offer the good answer. Answers that go against the evil forces of wickedness in the world that would lie to us and steal our joy and would, and, and, and would end us up so miserable in the midst of our blessings. It's terrible to be so miserable in the midst of our blessings. The band can come on up. (laughs) There's a mom that just wants her child to be well. We have those moms here. They just want their child to be well, and God says... It's possible. And she's sitting right there. <laughs> Let's pray. Gracious God, none of this happens without faith. And we cannot conjure up or produce faith on our own. It comes from you. Our, Our part is to open our hearts, to believe the truth you've told us, to say yes. To what's before us, and no to that which would deter us from living the best possible life in you. Lord, that we would have the faith of that mom. the crumbs would be enough. Open our eyes. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. And amen.